A few weeks back, Amazon's web services went down, bringing a wide number of prominent websites and services down with it. Since the incident occurred, it's been discovered that the whole ordeal was caused by a single typo. I'll give you the details. Also, we all know how important it is for any business or platform to build an email list. In this episode, I'll go through some key strategies for how to implement opt-ins, email forms, and how to strategically build that email list. All this and more on The Rightly Designed Show. No man who cares about originality will ever be original. It's the man who's only thinking about doing a good job or telling the truth who becomes really original and doesn't notice it. You're listening to the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Designed Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas and this is the Rightly Designed Show. So you may have heard the news or experienced it yourself a couple weeks back and that was the fact that Amazon Web Services went down for a pretty considerable amount of time. Amazon Web Services actually hosts and houses a pretty large number of sites on the internet and a lot of prominent ones. And so if Amazon Web Services is having some problems or also AWS as it's known, uh, then there's going to be some serious problems across the web with a lot of websites obviously going down with it. So you may have experienced it, as I mentioned, and you may have heard or maybe not heard, but a really interesting story over at the next web that actually uh, touches on specifically why this happened. And it's kind of rough, especially for the employee who would have been involved. Um, specifically, the, the issue is actually caused by a typo. So one of the tricky things about web development or, you know, web maintenance or development in general is the fact that unlike, let's say, you know, writing, you know, a book or writing something else, if you miss a semicolon, if you miss a comma, or if you use the wrong character in one place, you can cause a lot of problems. And so that's something that this particular employee encountered the hard way. So I'll just read a, a, a snippet from the article. It says, this week an Amazon Web Service AWS failure caused a massive outage all over the internet. Today we know why. A typo. The company released a detailed report today explaining what happened. An employee entered what they thought was a routine command to remove servers from the S3 subsystem. By mistake, they entered a larger number th uh, than intended. These servers, uh, these servers supported two other S3 subsystems, both of which managed the, managed the storage and metadata for the entire region. Down went the dominoes. AWS assures everyone that it's prepared for the occasional failure. Fixing the employee's error should have been as simple as rebooting the subsystems. However, an AWS, and, uh, however, AWS admitted that it actually hasn't restarted those subsystems in years, and S3 has grown considerably in the meantime. If you've ever rebooted an older computer and noticed it chugging on startup, you'll understand the feelings AWS must have had while waiting for the system to come back. In response, AWS says it's putting in safeguards to, to prevent this kind of error from ever happening again. Apparently creating those safeguards had been in the works for a while and AWS is making it a priority after this outage. Uh, 
Considering it even brought down AWS's own conference mid-speech, this is probably for the best. So they've got a little video in here that was embedded into a tweet, but it actually shows an AWS presentation. And during the presentation, he, obviously he's trying to present something about AWS, but he's using obviously AWS servers and service to actually do that, but it went down mid-speech, so it's kind of interesting to watch. So you can see that, of course, over at today's show notes. Uh, but I guess the moral of the story, this doesn't really have anything to do with branding per se, but the moral of the story and uh, something to take away from it, as I guess you could say a, a lesson for really all of us, is if a huge company like this can experience something so dramatic with something as simple as a typo, it's really important for us as well to ensure that we always have backups. So my philosophy is that I always have backups of backups for everything, especially for those things which are, uh, you know, pertinent to my clients or people I work for or work with. So for WordPress, I've, I've always talked about in the past, there's a number of free plugins you can get out there. So when it comes to WordPress specifically in your website, there's really no reason not to have a backup. So uh, one of the backup plugins that I typically recommend, again, totally free, which works really well. It works on a schedule, so you can set up how often it backs up your whole site, but it's just called Backup WordPress, and I think it's all one word. You can find it on the, the plugin repository. But backup everything. So um, not only your website, but of course all your data and files. I always recommend that you know you always have an off-site backup too. So if you use something, I think there's like... Uh, Carbonite, and there's a you know there's a ton of different services out there that you can use to to back up your computer. And in addition to that, one of the things I I noticed recently as well is how cheap hard drive like external hard drives have become. It's pretty amazing. I remember it used to be probably five years ago you'd spend a couple hundred dollars on you know like uh, I don't know 500 gigabytes you know on a hard drive that big you'd spend several hundred dollars on that now i actually noticed recently on amazon of course of all places uh that they actually you can get like up to eight terabytes eight terabytes of hard drive space for like a little over 200 dollars. so if you don't already make sure that you get your backup plan in place it's gonna save you some massive headaches in the future i know for myself personally backups have saved me multiple times not only from you know user error of me just deleting things i shouldn't have as as the person from this amazon web services obviously encountered himself but it's not only user error but also just things going wrong computers crashing i had a hard drive die on me a couple months back and again i was pretty grateful to have all those backups so anyways that's the main point but also just really interesting news story to cover in terms of all the different uh issues that uh, that cause and again a good reminder for all of us to make sure that all of our data is always backed up and backed up multiple places okay so to me today's main topic that i wanted to take a little bit of time to dive into is the importance of building that email list and some strategies that we can use to begin doing that before I do that, I wanted to take a quick moment to mention today's sponsor, which is actually very uh, relevant to the topic we'll be diving into today, and that is ConvertKit. So ever since I've begun using ConvertKit, it's pretty much the only email service provider that I recommend. It's uh, I used to use a number of other ones, and I've helped clients set up accounts for other services as well. So I've dabbled in and I've worked with a lot of different email marketing tools out there. And ConvertKit is by far the best one I've ever found. So it's got a lot of automated, uh, a, a lot of automated tools built into it. 
So I've talked in the past of how easy it makes it for you to be able to manage subscribers in one really easy, you know, one organized place where you can add tags and really powerful that way. One of the things I don't think I've ever mentioned is the automation features that are built into ConvertKit. So if somebody signs up on one of your forms, you can create what's called a sequence. And that sequence can draw can bring someone through what's called a drip campaign. So you can send them uh, automated messages, you know, one day out, three day out, five days out. And you can use this as a really powerful tool. You can do uh, an evergreen launch. You can do something as simple as sending uh, you know, useful resources on your website. You can keep people engaged throughout the process of all these different emails by, you know, if they fill out, if they subscribe to a newsletter or something, you know, two days later, you can send a welcome email. And then, you know, three days later, you can send them some useful content. Then four days later, you can send them, you know, some more useful content. And then at the very end, you can, you know, tell them about a book you wrote, or you can tell them about a, a recent product that you launched or really maximize the marketing end of ha- of that email list in, a, in an automated fashion. So it's got a lot of that built in. So what I would recommend is just jump in there and create a free account and try it out. You'll see pretty quickly how powerful of a tool that can be. I can remember in the past that drip marketing campaigns, uh, the software for being able to, to do that cost thousands and thousands of dollars, but not anymore. Uh, ConvertKit makes it affordable and easy to do. So if you'd like to give that a try and experiment with those uh, automation features yourself, ConvertKit is going to give you, as a listener to the Rightly Designed Show, a 30-day free trial. So to get that 30-day free trial, just jump on over to rightlydesigned.com slash ConvertKit. Again, that's rightlydesigned.com slash ConvertKit. Have a question for the show? Feel free to visit rightlydesigned.com slash question or call 888-727-1496. Okay, the main thing I'm going to touch on today is strategies for effectively building an email list. So before I jump into too many of the strategies, I thought it would be a a good idea just to pause briefly and to explore why it is so important. If you're building a brand, if you're building a business, if you're selling a product, or even if you just have a website, why it is so imperative that you do have an email list and that it's continually being built. I can't uh, tell you the number of times people I've personally spoken with or have heard, you know, on different podcasts or in blogger, you know, different blogging spheres, People who have said, I wish I had started building my email list sooner. People who went, you know, months or even years without ever actually starting the process of building an email list. So if you've ever heard of Jeff Walker, Jeff Walker is known for the product launch formula. One of the things he says pretty regularly, which is true when it comes to marketing, he said, there's two different types of of people who, you know, people marketing or building a business. There are people who have not yet built or who are not yet building an email list Uh, or want a bigger list, which is true. Uh, Email marketing is at the core of really any growing brand or business. It is so important. There's a lot of different reasons for that. That's, uh, you know, if you had Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or one of those channels go down tomorrow, you would lose that entire following. You would lose all of those followers, all of those people. 
Whereas your email list is always uniquely yours. So even if you switch email service providers or one's email service provider goes down or whatever the situation is, you can always back up and save and always have a copy of that email list. You can always export it, you know, to an SVG or not SVG, but a CSV or a, you know, Excel spreadsheet, save that on your hard drive. The point is you always have that, uh, that list and you always control it. So that's one. Two is the fact that the engagement rate on an email is so much higher. There's been so many studies that have been done throughout the years that show that people are 10, 20, 30, even 50 times more likely to see the information that you provide to them in an email over a Facebook post or a tweet or a YouTube video. And the reason largely is because people are not on social media 24 seven, at least on all these different channels. And you may catch them, you know, one in 10 or one in five, kind of depending. But the point is, if somebody's not on Twitter at 3 p.m. and you send out a tweet, well, then they miss it. There's no way for them to see it unless, of course, they come back and scroll through later and just so happen to see it later. But for the, for most people, they're going to miss that. Email's different, on the other hand, because it comes to somebody's inbox, and there's a lot higher likelihood that they're going to see that, especially people who keep their email inboxes really clean. They're guaranteed to see it. You know, whether they act on it is a different story, but the the likelihood that they actually see it and take action on it is dramatically higher than any of the other social media platforms. I've heard a lot of people say in the past, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all these different social media platforms are only as useful as they are in the effort of building your email list, which I tend to agree with, Uh, meaning it's not a bad thing necessarily to be building a following on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or Vimeo or Instagram or Pinterest or all these different sites. But at the end of the day, if they're not really helping you build that email list, their end effect is probably going to be dramatically less, especially when you consider the amount of time that it takes for you to place into each of these different social media networks. So my advice, if you have only one channel in which to focus, uh, I would recommend email every single time. So kind of to get, I just want to take a quick moment to get that out of the way. A lot of it, you're probably pretty familiar with the concept of why email is so important and why it has become such, it has remained, I should say, pretty much the number one mechanism for actually reaching your audience. But I wanted to also dive into some specific uh, strategies that you can apply. So I get asked pretty regularly, you know, how should I incorporate my subscription form? Should I do an opt-in? All these different, I get these questions pretty regularly because as you may have guessed, I do a decent amount of web development and that web development has a lot of different stages throughout it. So I do a lot of the actual design, the overall structure and layout of a site, but then I also do a lot of usability testing and usability planning as I'm wireframing out and creating website designs, mockups, and final websites uh, to launch. And so, as I mentioned, I'll get this question a lot, you know, so should I do a subscription form? Where should I put it? So I'm going to tackle a lot of those here. So where a lot of people start is just with a simple subscription form. And this is great. So it's just a, it's a good place to start at least to have a form somewhere on your website that people can subscribe. Now, you don't want to just leave it there, though, because I have seen that, you know, time and again, it's probably one of the biggest, most common mistakes when I see a lot of new and upcoming websites or brand new websites that are built with, you know, the different WordPress themes that are available. So you've probably seen this. They've got, uh, you know, again, a lot of WordPress themes have a sidebar off on the right hand side, especially blogs. So what a lot of people will do is they'll take that MailChimp 
you know, sign up form or whatever that uh, email subscription embed form that they're given from the email service provider is just kind of tossed at the top right hand corner in a widget. You know, a widget is just a panel and you can store, you know, posts or all sorts of different information in there. But a lot of times it's just a widget stuck in there and it just says subscribe. And then it's got the form. So what's imperative when it comes to getting people to subscribe is you have to tell them what they're subscribing to. And you have to put yourself in the user's shoes. Who just hits a website, sees a box that says subscribe and says, I have no idea what I'm subscribing to, but sure, here's my email address. Most people aren't going to do that. So it's really important and it's going to be important with all the different strategies that we explore and really with usability and uh, user experience in general. It's always putting yourself in the user's shoes and making things as simple, as easy and as useful for them as possible. So one of the things I like to recommend for people who, you know, don't necessarily haven't necessarily created an opt-in or anything specific to the email page is to take a little or to the email sign up uh, process or to for subscriptions or whatever, you know, the process is to take a little bit of time and type something out that, uh, you know, type out a plan, type out something that uh, you want to do regularly for your email subscribers. And you want to bullet point some out some benefits to subscribing to that list. What is it specifically that you're going to offer to people? And then once you've kind of outlined those things, once you've detailed and you've got down in your own mind specifically what is the benefits to being on your email list, create a subscription page. So I don't I haven't seen a lot of people implement something like this and it's actually something I'm going to be experimenting with myself on rightly designed, but create a subscription page. And on this page it could it could just be, you know, like yourwebsite.com/subscribe. And on this page, just offer, you know, give a little introduction of yourself, your business, your brand, the, the things that are unique about you, about what you're offering and your way that, you know, your unique differentiating benefit and the different elements there. But bullet point out some of the features, some of the specific benefits that somebody could receive by being an email subscriber. You know, it's always good to, you know, you can always tie in something, you know, go beyond just, you know, don't miss a single post. That's a good place to start. But, you know, tie in things that are specific and unique to email subscribers, you know, uh, bonus content, of course, something I'm going to be exploring here shortly. But always try to tie in something. Again, even if you don't have any bonuses or opt-ins yet, you can always offer something in there that you're going to provide specifically to email, uh, to your email subscribers. So, you know, you know get a, a weekly exclusive tip for me or, you know, a monthly exclusive tip for me via email, you know, if you sign up as a subscriber. One of the things I've done in the past and I still do to a certain degree is, um, and this is actually true of, of even just my current email subscribers, one of the things that I, I say in there is that being an email subscriber is kind of like having VIP access to rightly designed content, which is true because anytime I come out with a new useful or free tool uh, or something that I've built, I, I create a lot of templates or I, I offer you know stock free stock photos and things, always things I create, I offer either A, first to the people on my email list or B, only to people on my email list. There's been several things that I've offered that you can't actually even see or get to unless you are an email subscriber. So similarly, kind of like what I'm mentioning, I actually have a link at rightlydesigned.com slash subscribe where you can just jump right onto that list and always receive those free resources. So always try to tie in something like that to incentivize someone to subscribe. 
Let's not just, again, we're not looking just for a box, the top right-hand corner that says subscribe, because again, nobody's going to do that unless they just really, really like what's on your website or your content. But again, that's gonna, it's gonna dramatically decrease the amount of conversions that you could see uh, if you had provided a little bit of detail for people. And beyond just the benefits, there's other things you can say as well. You can make it clear that I'm never going to sell or rent your information. It's going to be safe. Uh, here you, and you know, here's here's a list. This is also good to include as well. Here's some examples. Here's some links to some emails I've sent out in the past, so you know what to expect. You know, it's great. The more you can tell people up front, the li- the the less. Uh, undesired surprises that somebody is going to encounter throughout the process of being on your list and subscribing to the list, the more likely that they're going to not only stay on the list, but be super engaged with the, you know, the content that you send out to them on a regular basis. Okay, so now that we've kind of discussed the idea of, you know, creating a subscription page, then comes the question of how should we begin to position this? So it's not necessarily bad. In fact, it's good placement for a lot of times to put this email form at the top right-hand corner. So even if you don't go so far as to create a subscription page, which what you can do, for example, is at the top right-hand corner of your navigation, you could, you could just have a subscribe button and that could link to your subscription page, which you, you could do that. And in addition to that, you could also add, again, that sidebar widget at the top right-hand corner. However, what I would recommend doing if you're going to add that subscription box as, uh, you know, something in the sidebar, I would still recommend adding some sort of context to that. Again, don't just say subscribe and add a form. Add some of those bullet points, add some of those features, add some of those benefits. You could think of it as a condensed version of your subscription page. And it's a good idea to actually have both. And this, again, will depend upon, you know, how much uh, screen real estate you have available to you, how much other content is in there, making sure that it's not going to get lost or cluttered. But again, finding the strategic places that you can place these things is really helpful. So a subscription uh, box as well works really well at the end of a content, like of, at the end of content, so the end of a post. So if you're a blog or if you're a news website, if you have uh, elements that are regularly updated, putting a subscription box at the end of that is a great place to be able to capture email lists as well. At that point in time, in that context, is when you could say something different. You could say something like, never miss an update, never miss a post, never miss a podcast, never miss a video. Something like that, that tells people that if you want to always main, uh, make sure that you are up to date on the latest, if you enjoyed this, sign up here. At that point in time, you don't necessarily have to provide them a long list of features and benefits because they're already interested in what you wrote or what you created So they were going to be, in that context, willing to subscribe. So it can be kind of a condensed version. Again, context is really important when it comes to how these things are laid out or how they're placed. So again, the top right-hand sidebar, again, the context is pretty much unknown because it could be on any page of your website. The subscription form, you already know, a subscription page I mentioned previously, if they're on that page at all, you know there's at least some interest in subscribing. So it's at that point in time, you are at your, you have the freedom to be able to offer a lot of detail in terms of what you're going to be offer them as a subscriber. Okay, so those are some of the really key f- uh, strategies when it comes to just doing a plain old subscribe form, some sort of just subscribe to my email list without actually just saying subscribe to my email list. But one of the more, the more popular routes and 
depending on, again, how it's created and its placement, can also convert a little bit higher as well. And that's offering a free opt-in or something that can incentivize people to get something free immediately, a quick win, as it's oftentimes been called. So there's a lot of ways that you can do this. So first thing you want to do is create something that is relevant to the audience you're trying to reach, to the, the brand that you're trying to build, that establishes your authority on the subject, as well as genuine value to the people you're trying to reach. So you can create now the, the mechanism in which you use to actually do this can be a wide variety of different things. Probably the most common is an ebook. You can also do, you know, a white paper, a video, you know, a course, a webinar, uh, even just a drip campaign, like I mentioned, with what you could do with something like ConvertKit that gives people, you know, weekly content, you know, for like a month maybe or two months that just gets delivered via email. Something, but it has to be something that's of genuine value. It has to be something that provides real value and real results for someone. Now, again, it doesn't have to be something that necessarily, you know, gives away the bank but something that actually uh, makes it worth someone's while, makes it worth someone's time. So one of the things that you can do, and there's a lot of different ways to incorporate this, is even go through some of your old content. If you've got a website that's been around for a while, if you've already sent emails in the past, or if you've ever, if you've ever created free resources in the past, or if you've already done videos or courses, or you know, you've just got really long articles or blog posts that you've created that are really valuable, one thing that you can do is just compile those into one useful, well-designed free resource that you give away to people. So the workflow usually goes like this, and again, it will, it'll kind of change based upon what it is that you're specifically offering. But let's say, for example, you're offering an ebook. So one of the things that you can do is you can say, you know, and again, with the headline that you're, in, that you're going to be showing to someone, you know, incentivizing them to get this free resource, has to portray to them you know, how they're going to solve, how you're going to help them solve a, 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 a problem that's relevant to them. So your headline could be something like, you know, are you making one of these, you know, one of these common design mistakes? It's actually one that I have on my website. Are you making one of these common design mistakes? Download this free resource to find out the top 10 most common design mistakes and how you can avoid them today. So that's real value. That's something that, you know, some that would incentivize people like, oh, I want to find out what the answer to that is. So even if I just have to type in my email address real quick just to get that free resource, I will. So something that you can do to not only offer value, but to incentivize someone to actually give you that email address. The goal isn't necessarily just to get that email address, of course. That's step one. Step two is then to begin introducing that person into your brand, who you are, uh, and then provide them even more value every step of the way. So for example, again, using this free design resource that I've created, one of the things that I add in addition to that is a follow-up email. And that follow-up email just kind of introduces myself, but it offers a list. So what it does is it offers a list broken down by topic of how to help someone who's building a brand solve specific problems. So if you need you know, help with design, here's some free some other free resources, additional free resources beyond the ebook that you already downloaded on how to help with design. And there's a list of ones that you get uh, to help you with building your brand or WordPress tips. So it solves a lot of different problems at once. Uh, number one, it helps, you know, obviously, you know, you get someone kind of in the door, you get someone, um, you know, you get that email address, but you help them begin solving specific problems. 
Now, the reason why that follow-up email is so important, why those additional free resources are so important, is because it takes it a step further. You're not just bombarding people with a ton of information up front. You just give them a quick win, and you give them another one. Then you provide them with another one, and you kind of just start building that relationship with them so that once uh, you start sending regular emails on a weekly or bi-weekly basis or even monthly, you've already started establishing with them you know, uh, kind of a routine of hearing from you, which is going to be really important when it comes to maintaining and building that list and, and making sure that, you know, people aren't just tuning you out or, you know, once you, you know, if you send an email once every couple of months, uh, you, they don't just forget about you because everybody, as we well know, is very busy. But again, to kind of circle back around, the, the main point is to create something initially of value, something that's highly valuable that is specific to the to the people you're trying to reach. To, so knowing a, a pain point or knowing something that is specific to them, uh, that is a, that is in your niche, that is in your market, that is a part of your brand, is going to be imperative. So again, I've seen a lot of people. Uh, I used, of course, an ebook example, but I've seen a lot of people do free online courses, so people can like walk through a really brief, short, you know, set of videos. I've also seen videos uh, or sorry, webinars that people do on a weekly basis, so people can give their email address to register for a webinar that's done on a weekly basis. Uh, other people, again, do drip campaigns that walk people through specific things or, you know, even just one free video. Like I've also got myself, I've got a free video uh, tutorial that somebody can watch on how to set up a WordPress website absolutely free. Uh, so there, again, there's a lot of different ways that you, a lot of different types of content that you can provide. But it's not so much the type of content that really matters. Um, on your end, you just want to find out what is the best way I can deliver value. Like first, first thing you want to find out is what is it that I can provide on my website that's going to be super valuable. What is it that I can provide? And then number two, determine what is the mechanism, what is the vehicle through which I can do that effectively. At that point, you can decide, okay, is it just going to be an audio file maybe, or is it going to be better if it's an ebook or a white paper, or would a video work better? So determine the vehicle after you've determined what it is specifically that you're going to provide, you know, the expertise or the value that you're going to provide to people who are signing up to your email list. So once you've kind of nailed that down, uh, the next step is to determine how are we going to position this on the website from a usability perspective. Now, I see a lot amongst even the most popular bloggers throughout the web, I see this all the time. And that is people who love to interrupt people with their offer. And so I'm an avid believer, again, as a web developer and somebody who is, you know, knee deep in usability, you know, practices all the time. Don't interrupt people. I see this all the time. I'll go to a new website. Again, even if a really prominent, well-known blogger with a huge audience, and don't get me wrong, it probably works for them. But for the vast amount of people, it's just not the way to go, especially if you're new and you, you haven't established a platform yet. The last thing you want to do is start bombarding somebody who is finding out about you for the first time, who's reaching your website through Google or through a link from you know uh, a guest post or something else. The last thing you want to do is to interrupt them. Interruptions, as you'll hear me say throughout other episodes, is probably one of the worst things that you can do to a user. Um, so you'll see, you may have seen these before. So you'll reach a website or a web page or a blog article for the first time, and it'll just start overtaking the whole screen. I've noticed these where 
Uh, it just kind of drops down from the top of the screen and just slowly takes over everything. And it says, hey, you know, you want to grow your email list, you know, for example. Or, hey, do you need more Twitter followers? Um, and then there's two obnoxious buttons. This just kind of, for me anyways, just adds, it's just icing on the annoyance cake. But it says like, yes, I want more, you know, Twitter followers. Or no, I don't want more Twitter followers. Like, yeah, because <laughs> me not giving you my email list, me, you know, my email address means that no, I don't want more Twitter followers. So again, a big key when it comes to opt-ins and when it comes to reaching, uh, you know, building that email list, don't interrupt people. When people reach a website, they have a specific goal in mind. It would be like this. I always like to compare use, uh, web usability to real life. Imagine for a second that you went to the grocery store and you walked down the cereal aisle and you were going down to just buy a box of cereal. And somebody stood in your way offering you, uh, I don't know, a, a coupon for yogurt. You say, I don't want yogurt. I'm here for cereal. And that person just kind of blocked your way until you asked them to move. Would that be a good experience for you or a bad experience? Would that make you happy or would that annoy you? Probably going to annoy you. So my question always is, if we would not do that in real life, why would we do it on the web? So that's a completely different topic. I'll probably dive into that in a different episode. But rule of thumb, don't interrupt people with your offers. Let them find them. You can make them prominent. You can make them, you know, something that's really easy for them to find or that's uh, very visible in the outline of your website. But uh, I would always discourage again, especially if you're new, especially if you've got, you know, you're still growing or not growing, but you know, still haven't gotten to a, uh, a massive audience level yet. Just make it really easy and simple for people to find the information that they want. Um, you know, so if again, if they're reaching one of your blog posts, if they're reaching an article, don't interrupt them, don't take them away from what they're doing. Instead, offer them value and kind of ease them into subscribing or, you know, finding that free resource. So one of the things that you can, some of the specific ways you can do that, uh, and again, it, prominence isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just interruptions can be a bad thing. So, you know, on your front page, what a lot of people will do is they'll offer, you know, they'll have like a hero image or a main header image. And then directly under that on the, on the front page, they'll have a big, uh, clearly visible uh, opt-in form or, you know, email form for getting the free resource. And when you're doing this, when you're designing your free resource, again, it's good to have it prominent. It's good to have it on the front page somewhere where you pretty much can't miss it. Uh, but it's good to design or to have created some sort of image that represents that. So, you know, I'm a book jacket designer in addition to doing web development. So I've actually designed a series of book jackets for all of these different free eBooks that I've created over the years. So it's a good idea to create some sort of visual representation so people can see at a glance, okay, I'm getting this specific resource. If you're doing a video, you know, show an image of a laptop or a tablet or something with a screenshot of your video on it so people get instantly that they're, uh, you know, the valuable information or the, the actual thing that they're getting for free. Again, that adds some some perceived value to it, but also again, at a glance shows people exactly what they're getting. So one of the ways that you can uh, place that again is make it nice and prominent, make it at, uh, on your front page or on your home page, or if you've got a welcome mat, you can do, you can add it really high up. One of the things that I've done on the front page, again, of rightly designed is I've made my main call to action button to actually get the free guide, or I think right now it says free assessment. So I've got two. 
You can take a free assessment is the main button. And they've got a secondary button that says get the free guide. So if you click free, uh, get the free guide, it just scrolls you down the page to that specific offer where you see the ebook and you see, you know, a little bit of information about it, the benefits, and then, you know, where people can fill in the email address to actually get that ebook. So that's one way you can do it. Now, if you want to get a little bit more creative, you can do this in addition to having a form for your opt-in. Um, and that is to do something called exit intent, uh, an exit intent modal window or pop-up window or whatever you want to call it. But what this does is it helps you display an offer to someone without actually interrupting them. So you may have seen this before. And what it is is, it, is when somebody shows the intent of actually leaving your website, which is typically if their mouse cursor actually leaves off the top of the screen, you know, out of the top of the window, then it takes over the screen. At that point in time, it actually takes over the whole screen and it shows them that whole offer. So there's a huge difference. It's a similar, similar style and a similar concept, but there's a huge difference between this and just outright interrupting someone either as they're reading um, or as, you know, right when they visit the page. So again, what happens is you can tell that somebody's about to leave the page. So the idea is that, well, somebody's going to be leaving the site anyways. So we might as well see if we can capture them, you know, uh, offer them something free and useful before they actually leave the site. So um, one great tool that you can use to do this uh, is a tool called Optin Monster. And so I'll go ahead and leave a link to that in today's show notes, which again is at rightlydesignedshow.com and uh, rightlydesignedshow.com slash 47. But they've got excellent intent built in. It's a WordPress plugin. I think they actually can be integrated into other services as well. And this is actually something I've started just custom developing into a lot of the websites I build now, so I've got it into rightly designed as well. But again, the, the key here is to offer these things in such a way as to not interrupt someone. Uh, you can say, you know, by the way, or before you leave or something like that, but never interrupt someone. Don't disable, you know, like the back button. There's a lot of websites that if you hit the back button or something like that, then uh, it throws a big ugly alert up at you. It says, wait, don't leave. You, you know, here's this free offer. So nothing like that. As long as it doesn't interrupt people, uh, then you're good to go. Other than the exit intent, which again is a great way to be able to start to capture, you know, people's email addresses before they leave. You just want to get again, really strategic with where you place these various forms. So what uh, another thing that a lot of people like to do as well is to create resources, and this is getting a little bit more advanced once you've established some of the different types of content that you want to offer, but to create different types of content specific to the, the, you know, the page or post content that you're on. So what I mean is if you write a post uh, you know, specific to how to create an amazing video, well, then create a free opt-in that you put at the end of that post that is specific to that topic. So that you can have, you know, maybe two or three or four or five different topics or categories that you cover and then create a different uh, lead magnet for each of those or a different opt-in for each of those. Uh, so that's a great way to be able to offer people a lot of useful information in, say, a blog post. And then at the end of that, offer them even more or, you know, a specific secret or list of tips in an email, you know, in a, an ebook or something like that that they can receive by filling out your email address. So again, that takes it a step further than just saying subscribe. Subscribe is a great place to start, but you can always move in, you know, 
in steps in terms of creating a more powerful method for actually capturing new email, uh, new email leads and, and new email subscribers. So one of the last things I wanted to touch on, though, in, in this episode was how incredibly important it is, you know, once you've kind of established your workflow, once you've established all the different positions and the places across the website that you want to capture email addresses and the method that you're using to do that process, it's incredibly important that you keep your email list updated regularly. And what I mean is don't go two, three months without ever emailing your list once because it's really difficult. Once your list starts to go cold, to get it warm again. And what I mean by that is that people forget about you over time. You know, it's we've just got so many things that come in our email inboxes, so many different promotions and things that we are you know, bombarded with. So the longer your email list sits, uh, the, the, like, uh, the higher the likelihood that they're A, going to unsubscribe, or B, just, uh, you know, delete it or ignore it altogether you got to continually offer something of value to people. So sometimes that can be a little bit difficult for us. You don't just want to send spam. You don't just want to send, uh, you know, regular emails that don't really offer anything. You don't just want to say, hi, how are you? How's your day going? <laughs> you know, you want to actually offer something of value. But the key is to make sure that you at least stick to some sort of uh, regularity when it comes to sending out an email, uh, as it's really important to making sure that that list uh, maintains its warmth and that it's effective as you move forward. So in a future episode, I'll probably touch on what to do with that email list, some different ways that you can create promotions and uh, start to really leverage an email list. And again, I'll probably dive into that in a future episode. So as always, I like to mention at the end of the show, if you have a question or if there's something you'd like me to cover in detail in a future episode, feel free to call uh, Feel free to call 888-727-1496. Again, that's 888-727-1496. And I would be happy to hear your questions and feedback as always. So again, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the program today. And we'll see you next week. Enjoying the Rightly Designed show? Please consider taking a quick moment to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or the channel of your choice. Visit rightlydesigned.com show for links to these channels and more.